Analytics with Mike Lewis. Okay, welcome everyone. Welcome to the Fanalytics podcast. My name is Mike Lewis. We are brought to you by the Emory Marketing Analytics Center. Uh, online home, as always, is www.fandomanalytics. And I, 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 my guest is a young man, and I think he just sort of smiled when I did the www because we don't need to do that anymore. So I'm joined by Henry Polinski, who's an Emory undergraduate and a college baseball player. How you doing, Henry? I'm doing well. Thanks for uh, having me on. I'm I'm happy to be here. No, this is great, and th- and this is something that uh, you know, th- this is something that's a, a little bit of a different format, right? And so, Henry, I, I don't know how much you listen to the podcast, but it's the mission here is really to almost do education or executive education, um, marketing analytics with the fen- with the, with the emphasis on. Fandom is kind of the, the candy coating to the educational product. And so I love the idea of having some of you smart Emory undergrads come in and, and help me with uh, help me with the conversation. Now, Henry is also joining us because it is. Well, this is this is is this the best time of year for baseball, Henry? I, I would say besides what's going to happen next week, which is the actual World Series right now, you know, uh, having the NLCS and the ALCS going on, it's uh, everything kind of culminating uh, from an exciting postseason thus far. And, uh, you know, we've got, um, I think, the Phillies and the uh, the Padres tonight and uh, getting ready for the World Series. So it's a very exciting time for, for fans all across the country. Okay, so folks, this is our World Series preview. Uh, we are taping it a little bit in advance. So what is it? Uh, what is it? October 21st today. So right now, the what's the status of the playoffs? It's Phillies, Padres, one one, and Yankees. Yes, so Astros. the ALCS, Yanks, Astros, two uh, zero, Houston, um, and then the NLCS, uh, Philly and San Diego are tied up one one. Um, and right now, it's looking like uh, overall, uh, a lot of I looked at some of the sports odds. The Houston Astros right now are a lot of uh, the top picks in Vegas, but we'll have to see. It's exciting stuff. Are you uh, are you looking at those odds on a day by day basis? Um, I I checked them probably about a week ago, um, and you know just the fact that Houston's up two zero in in their series is giving them a little more leverage there. Okay, and so our, our focus and look, I think Henry and I we've talked a little bit about this. In some ways, baseball baseball fandom is probably the most interesting fandom to me in all of American sports because it. It's it's a fandom that definitely seems like it's been in transition over time from you know baseball being everything to the American culture to you know perhaps baseball being well well you know let me sw- let me switch it to you because part of what I want to do here is that in some ways Henry this is a Gen X guy talking to a Gen Z guy about the historical American pastime. What's the stereotypes about baseball amongst your cohort? You know, I think today it kind of has a little bit of a bad rap because um, people are calling it boring, too long. Um, I think the list goes on and on, and you can see that on Major League uh, Baseball side of it as well. You got you got the commissioner trying to change the rules to uh, to shorten up the games, um, to add more offense, more more excitement for for a new generation of fans, and it's been kind of challenging for them uh, to kind of evolve. Um, and keep up with, with, uh, leagues like the NFL. Yeah. It's, and I'll tell you, Henry, what you're, what you're talking about is something that I feel like I've heard almost throughout my whole life. 
right? That baseball is kind of this old person's game and it needs to be, it, it doesn't work with the modern uh, attention span and it has to be, you know, we need pitch clocks. We need, uh, you know, essentially shot clocks in there. We got to keep driving it, driving the game forward faster. No one wants to watch thing for three hours. Uh, you know, and, and there is always a need for more offense, right? I mean, that's, that, that's almost like uni- universal. We've got to have, uh, well, I suppose we, uh, in offense and baseball, what that really means is we're not talking about, you know, sacrifice bunts and moving a guy along, right? We're talking about, we're talking about home runs. And I, I definitely think we've seen a good amount of, of the long ball this postseason. Um, Bregman with a, with a big shot last night. Um, but, but another thing, you know, initially when I heard that they were changing the rules, uh, to outlaw the shift, I was, uh, kind of against it because I, I want the game. I'm a purist. I want the game to be played how it's supposed to be played and how it's been played. But I feel like, especially this postseason, I've seen a lot of, of hard hit balls get taken away by the shift. And I think that, um, next year when they actually outlaw that there will be a lot more offense, um, along with home runs. Um, so that'll be exciting to see. Let's come back to let's say some of these rule changes at the, at the, at the end of this conversation, because I do think, you know, even where you're going from as a, and I forget Henry, what are you? 22, 23, 21, 21. Okay. So even as a, you know, you're talking about being a purist and not wanting the game to change. I, I think that's an important, that's an important idea in terms of the, the future of baseball of where does, where do they go from here and how much is, you know, maybe faster is better, but what do you lose when you make changes? Okay, just to to set the to set the stage, I've looked a little bit into the and TV ratings are tough to they're they're tough to explain when you're going through the early rounds of uh, of something like baseball because there's just so many series going on. The Yankees, uh, the Yankees Guardians, which is you know one of the last data points we have available, they did pretty well. So that series was bringing in uh, just over five million viewers. Okay, and I, and I think. Some of the numbers, you know, baseball is great, right? Henry, baseball is the name, the game of numbers, always has been. And there's great numbers on the fan side as well. So that was the highest ratings for one of the early rounds in the baseball playoffs in the last four years. Um, it, it says something. I mean, in, in, in at a very simple level, I think the obvious thing it says, right, if you want to have good TV ratings, what do you got to do? Um, you got to market it. Yeah, well, see, for you guys watching on YouTube, you can see Henry giving me that look. It's that classic look when the professor asks a question that's kind of poorly formulated, right? It was really, you know, you got to have New York playing, right? There you go. And and so in this round, in this baseball World Series, you know, the Yankees are down 0-2 and the Dodgers are already gone, right? I mean, as you think about what the World Series could have been, you know, New York Yankees, Los Angeles Dodgers, that would have been phenomenal. Um, What's our worst case scenario now? Do you think Houston versus San Diego potentially? Potentially. I I mean, obviously on the National League side, that's a lot, you know, smaller of of a cohort of two teams there compared to Houston and New York, especially with Houston being so good lately. Um, and, and just to, you know, a little, not to go off on a tangent, but what you're saying about New York and, and potentially could have been LA, um, that would drive up the numbers. And when we look at kind of what's happened with other sporting events too, the biggest NBA finals have been when Steph and LeBron are playing. And before that it was MJ. So 
just having that star power, being able to market it um, with these big teams is, is huge. So, Okay. And, and so that brings us to, and again, so if you if you take a look at what we're doing on YouTube with the podcast, you can see we, we've got a couple of charts exhibits uh, to go along with this, with this episode. And the first chart I've thrown up there, because like I said, what part of the reason why baseball is such a fascinating sport to me is that the economics are, there's almost a, there's a puzzle going on in, in, in some ways. And so the, the chart I've pulled up is something that, well, Henry grabbed from, this is, this is a la Wikipedia. And this is a chart of TV ratings and viewership for the World Series from 1970. Is that 1970? The, the early 1970s. Early, early 70s. To, uh, to just last year. So Henry, when you look at this chart, you know, paint a picture. What's happening to baseball, to World Series viewership? You know, I think a lot of it has to do with the rise of of the you know America's love for the NFL. Um, but people are people are losing interest. Um, and and I think what a lot of it used to be was you know people would sit down for 162 games a year, say we're going to watch the Braves or we're going to watch the Yankees or the Cubs or whoever. Um, and 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 now with the pace of life kind of changing and Generation Z's interests shifting into other sports, especially faster paced ones, people kind of, I feel like gravitate, especially in the fall during the postseason with the world series towards the NFL. Um, and, and they crave, you know, every sun, Sunday night football, um, compared to possibly watching the world series. That that's just one, um, hunch I have. I don't know if you want to kind of piggyback off that. Well, I, I think there's definitely some truth to that, right? I mean, it's, and part of why, why I like this idea of this intergenerational conversation is, you know, when I was a kid, Henry, in the 1970s and the 80s, October was World Series time, right? October was the baseball had, you know, it was the highlight of the sports universe. I don't think we can even say that at the moment, right? I mean, when, when you're looking at, you know, the Yankees drawing 5 million viewers, that's that's probably right in line with what Thursday night football is drawing. So it's not, you know, baseball does not have the spotlight. Um, but, you know, just to sort of flesh this out, what, what the graph is showing for those of you that are not, you know, in the visual medium, if, if you go back to the mid-70s, you had 40, 45 million viewers of the World Series. And it's steadily, I mean, there, there's a lot of noise. There's a lot of bumps and it's probably bumps from when the Mets are playing or the Yankees are playing or the Dodgers are in the World Series or the Cubs. It's ticked. It's just sort of steadily, you know, dropped over time. I mean, Henry, you're a business school graduate. That almost looks like the kind of data a professor would give you to estimate a linear regression, isn't it? It is pretty, pretty steep and downhill. Um, and, you know, it really peaked back in the 70s and 80s, uh, and, and it hit its low point, surprisingly enough, in 2020 when the Dodgers were actually playing. Um, but a lot of people, you know, who I've talked to, a lot of my friends, um, you know, like to make fun of our of our buddies from L.A. who are Dodgers fans and kind of say that, you know, there's an asterisk uh, next to the Dodgers in 2020 just because it was a shortened season. Yeah, and, and look, I mean, COVID was <sighs> – you know, for whatever reason, COVID decimated just about every every TV championship series, right? Uh, you know, the the NBA was down, I think, 30%. The NHL down 40%. Major League Baseball, I think, again, in the range of 30%. You know, the NFL, sort of the king of American sports, was down about 10%. Uh, 
Um, but, you know, you look at this figure and, well, <clears throat> we go from the 1970s at, let's say, 40, 45 million folks watching to the last couple of years of, you know, 12 to 15 million people watching. That's a that's a dramatic, dramatic decline. Now, the reason why I say baseball is very much a puzzle is I'm going to switch to I'm going to switch to the next exhibit. And this one is, <coughs> excuse me, this one is Major League Baseball Total League Revenue from 2001 to 2021. Okay, so Henry, if the, other, if, if the, the viewership was dropping by like a set percentage every year, what's happening with revenue over the last 20 years? And there is a, you know, you can also talk about the last two years as well. You know, yeah, starting off in, in 2020 with, with the, the absolute the absolute low, um, pretty self-explanatory. You didn't have fans, um, filling up the stadiums, but I will say that the ticket prices, um, have been increasing as well. And I think that, and that teams are finding ways to kind of work around, um, perhaps lack of viewership on the TV side of things. Um, and especially trying to market big players. Um, these days, you know, Shohei Otani, Mike Trout, um, Bryce Harper, you know, possibly on his way to his first World Series. Um, so it is it is interesting that you bring that bring up this point. I'd love to get kind of your perspective on um, how the numbers of revenue are going up, but the viewership is, is going down. Yeah, look, it it's. I, I think we just kind of accept it. It's like, well, Major League Baseball has, and you you almost said this. They, they found ways. Right. If you look at the amount of, in particular, I think sponsorship that has gone into professional sports over the last, you know, that's really grown dramatically every decade. You know, you go to a major league baseball park now and look, you're going to see signage for the local airline. You're going to see signage for Chick fil A, for McDonald's, for Coca Cola. You know, they found a way to continually increase the revenues. I, I think even there's also sort of something strange that goes into all this that where even though viewership has dropped for a lot of sports properties, viewership has dropped even more for other things on TV. And so leagues have been able to always negotiate higher, higher TV deals. But it is a strange business when you think about it where, let's say, viewership for the, the, the core fan has dropped by a half or a, or well, by more than a half over 30 years, but the revenues keep going up, right? And so if you're Major League Baseball, it's a strange deal, right? You're making more money, fewer people are watching you. You've alluded a little bit to, you know, how it's perceived in the culture. And then, Henry, this is why, frankly, this is why I love Major League Baseball and like love talking about fans because in some ways, I don't quite get it. You know, I mean, it's a mystery where this is all going to go. You know, I think you made two good points that not only are, you know, major league ratings uh, for TV viewing and, and other leagues as well going down, but people aren't watching TV in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it could kind of just be a ripple effect that's kind of going over sports. People are consuming sports in a much different way these days. You know, people are, are streaming them uh, on illegal websites. People are, are getting it from social media. Um And the other thing is I think kind of the way that they entertain fans has changed from just fans in seats watching the game itself 
to a more family friendly, more holistic kind of experience at the ballpark. You go to to Truist where the Braves are playing, they have you know, not only the Chick-fil-A ad and the Delta ad, but they have a Chick-fil-A in there. They have, you know, a zip line behind the field for the kids. Like it's a lot of activities and, and an entire experience that sort of just happens to revolve around baseball. So they are finding ways to kind of, you know, keep pushing the boundary on, on how they can give fans new and exciting experiences. Now, when you were a kid, uh, I know you, you grew up in the north side of Chicago, right? Yes. Okay. So Cubs fan? Yeah, go Cubs. Okay, and sort of was it automatic? Almost like that was the default. You're growing up in Chicago. Cubs are on WGN. It was. Did, it did was. You ever a Sox fan. Say it again. Did you ever consider being a Sox fan? It was, you know, as far from the White Sox as possible. You know, when we first moved to the Chicago area, I was very young. We lived about two minutes from Wrigley. We were in Wrigleyville, so it was just like automatic. Okay. And uh, your parents, uh, your dad, a uh, baseball fan as well? Yeah, he is. He So he's actually from the New England area and back northeast. So, and, you know, him and his brother and, and mm. his dad are, are Red Sox fans. But, um, you know, having spent some of my formative years in Wrigleyville, um, I definitely have a, have a special uh, spot in my heart for the Chicago Cubs. Okay. So, and that's, I'm always interested in that. So do you have a dual lo- loyalty to the Red Sox and the Cubs? Or are you straight? You, you could say you could say that. Um, I, you know, I think, you know, it's fair to have an AL and an NL team. Um, so those would be each of my teams from each league. Yeah, they're, they're two easy teams to root for, especially lately, I, I think. Okay. Okay, so Henry, this last season – It strikes me that this was kind of a special baseball season. You know, we had some, you know, so baseball finds itself at this kind of crossroads or inflection point. A lot of concern about are they going to attract Generation Z? Um, A lot of competition with the NFL, maybe some competition with the NBA, which probably sounds crazy to older generations of Americans that they're kind of fighting it out for market share. But this baseball season was truly spectacular. You had a team that won 111 games, right? The LA um, Dodgers. Yeah, I mean that's that's like a performance for the ages. I mean, what else? You know, what else kind of stuck with you this this past year? You know, clearly, what Aaron Judge did was was very special. Um, you know, he, he set in you know breaking Roger Maris's American League home run record. Um, you know, the home run kind of epitomizes the game of baseball itself. You know, it's one of the most, one of the most dominant acts in sports is hitting the home run to, to see that kind of dominant show that judge put on. Um, and in so many more offensive categories than just the long ball too, you know, um, he really had a special season. Um, unfortunately the Red Sox and the Cubs did, did not do too well, but if, if I had to give you, you know, one answer, I would say it was, it was Aaron judge. Well, and let me let me give you let me ask you about that. So, again, you're you're sort of living on the ground with the population that needs to become the next group of sports fans. Amongst your, and this is a little bit unfair. Maybe I mean you live in a biased world. You're on the baseball team. From your non-baseball friends, did they know who Aaron Judge was? Did they follow the the chase? You know, I think they definitely are, are exposed to it because I'd say nine out of 10 of my friends, you know, have sports center alerts turned on on their phone or they okay. follow ESPN on Instagram. But I think 
maybe the root of the question you're getting at is, are these guys more preoccupied with Thursday night football? And I'd probably say the answer is yes. Well, I'm also asking, you know, is your sense that you're kind of living in a in an unusual sample of 21 year olds? The the fact that you still got the ESPN alerts turned on onto your phones is that is that common for Emory students? Look, when I was at the University of Illinois in the 1980s, you know, like it felt it felt like every guy on that campus was watching ESPN Sports Center. Is that the is sports playing the same role for this college age? bunch of kids i would say with with uh with the people i interact with yes you know you, you walk in uh to the clubhouse at the field and they've got you know uh, tv turned on in the locker room with, with sports playing um but i'm not sure about the rest of emory you know uh, being a being the type of school that it is i i guess that would kind of be a little more up in the air but regarding student athletes at emory i'd say they have a, a good uh love for following sports okay so you're not hanging out with the theater kids much Okay. No, not too much. <laughs> okay. okay, so you know, but I, I, again, you know, I, I think baseball and and really almost all of sports are kind of in this this interesting world of of where is it going to go from here. Um, I, I'll give you I'll give you sort of my view on history. And, and look, I mean, it, it's interesting because I think some of the things that have really got baseball to where they're at happened before you were born. Um, but I'll give you sort of what I think of as the kind of the key moments. And you, you know, you chime in and let me know if that's, if any of this resonates with you or you think I'm a little bit off. So I tend to think one of the, one of the key elements in all this was the 1994 strike. Okay. So the 1994 strike and, and back in Chicago, this was kind of a big deal because the White Sox were, were pretty good that year. And this was an era when Chicago baseball seldom participated in the postseason, right? It's sort of the, the dark ages. Um, and the White Sox, you know, might have had a shot at the World Series. So baseball actually lost a championship. That almost strikes me as unimaginable looking back, right? Can you imagine the the NFL not playing the Super Bowl one year? Um, so following that, we had this era where, and, and I think that's kind of relevant in that, you know, a lot of upset fans and a lot of disillusioned fans of, you know, the world series disappeared. Um, part of the response to that, or, you know, part of what felt like the response to that was the P the, the, the steroid era of, you know, the McGuire and bonds and Sosa and the massive home run numbers. Again, what you're saying offense to bring people back into the seats. The other thing that occurred with this is the economics of the game changed. And we had something called the blue ribbon report, which the blue ribbon panel which was in response to this era when the Yankees were in the World Series for, you know, I think, you know, five, five years in a row or something and won multiple championships. And that was, you know, really focused on things like revenue sharing, et cetera. But I, I tend to think that those were the, you know, those were kind of the, the key events to, in terms of how we got to where we're at in, in baseball. Um, this, disillusionment or this harm to the brand equity from the lost strike the steroid era almost had a rebound effect right i mean look it was before your time that was an amazing summer sosa versus mcguire in particular uh but then it ended really bad with balco and bonds and all this kind of you know was any of this stuff real um did these guys make the hall of fame hall of fame and it, it almost feels like those stars didn't happen in a way 
And then on the other side of it, you know, we had this, this economic change that baseball kind of, I'll say this, kind of resisted, right? So in the NFL, the Green Bay Packers can spend as much money as the New York Giants and the Green Bay Packers can win Super Bowls. In baseball, you know, baseball sort of fought that idea of revenue sharing. There's a little bit of it, but there's, you know, fairly significant imbalances. I mean, this this, this last, uh, you know, in some ways, this playoffs was, were unique, right? In that the Yankees were playing the the Cleveland, you know, Henry, I can't stop. I can't help it. The Cleveland Indians now Guardians, right? At, at a much lower payroll. But I tend to think it's like the, this rebound from strike, steroids, and then the economics that drives a lot of what we see in baseball. You know, the first thing that comes to mind when, when hearing hearing all that is is Moneyball, and the reason you know why that was such popular movies. I don't think that that movie could happen in any other sport, right? Just the way that baseball is with payrolls and the you know the the culture, uh, both on the business and the fan side and the athletic side of the game, um, with the statistics that baseball has and the revenues and payrolls, um, just really reminds me of of Moneyball and the reason why fans kind of are drawn to that movie. So I think. <clears throat> it's interesting to see, you know, a team like uh, San Diego or uh, or the Guardians making it this far in the playoffs and how they kind of match up against a team like the Yankees. Yeah, I mean, it, I, and, and I don't know. I mean, is that part of the story in the popular kind of the popular culture? The fact that it was these, I almost feel like we've gone away from that David versus Goliath part of part of baseball, but you know, I bet you the Yankees payroll was three or four times that of the Guardians. But I don't think anyone's even going, oh, the poor Guardians anymore. So it's like, no, we we just need the Yankees to roll through this to get Aaron Judge in the World Series. You know, I, I, I think you have a point there. I think it was honestly more so of a thing in 2020 when you had the Dodgers who have a ginormous payroll going up, going up against Tampa Bay. Um, very small market team down in Florida. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I think the fans probably want to see um, New York in in the World Series, especially after the whole Houston scandal a few years back. <laughs> okay, let, let's sort of let's take a little segue here for a second. Is Houston forgiven, or is the baseball world still rooting against Houston? I know I'm rooting against Houston, and and it's funny because the more guys I talk to, especially guys on my team here at Emory, guys that are pretty you know involved with following and playing baseball. They'll tell you if you ask them. They'll say everyone's cheating, and Houston was just the one out of out of thirty of the teams that got caught. You know, people have theories. Whoever you ask, people have theories about pretty much every major league ball club having different little strategies to cheat, steal signs, um, and so Houston was kind of got the short end of the stick there. But uh, are they forgiven? I, I don't. I don't like to root for them or, or think that they are. You know, one of the things that's kind of fascinating about the whole thing is that you know Houston captured what were they they were using video cameras to capture the signs and then they were taking uh the signs that they captured and relaying it to the hitter by banging a trash can a set amount of times in the dugout i mean in some ways it's you know we're brought, we're sponsored by the marketing analytics center right and, and all we do in business schools now is we talk about analytics and and, and essentially Analytics boils down to collecting more information and using it better. In some ways, it's kind of what's great about baseball and this, this cheating scandal is they use technology 
to get more information now than the fact that they're banging trash trash cans to convey the the result is kind of is kind of great as well but it it, it kind of captures what I think is one of the themes that's going on with baseball, right? Where it's like this use of the numbers, this use of information to get advantages. And does that fundamentally change and wreck the game? Right. So when you go from, Oh, you know, Henry's a, you know, right-handed hitter, he's facing a left-hander who's thrown, you know, 64 pitches, you know, it, 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 we we just pull in more and more information and come up with all these tendencies and make better and better decisions. And does that actually you know, harm the game for some of the purists out there? Now we're we're talking about Houston. The Tampa Bay Rays are very much known for almost damaging the game by having better analytics. And, and so I, I feel like I've gone down a path where I'm now apologizing for Houston as a bunch of cheaters, perhaps. But I, de- I definitely, you know, maybe it's the analytical background. I think there's almost this continuum of when is like using information kind of a fair advantage and when does it kind of wreck things? You know, I think at the end of the day when you have, if you were to look on Twitter after the Houston Astros kind of got caught, um, you had a lot of guys, professional baseball players coming out and, and defending their buddies who, had gotten cut because the Astros had cheated against them and done so well that the ball clubs playing against Houston released these guys whose signs had been stolen. So I think it's this is kind of tough to navigate on the microphone here just because when you go and look at the whole premise of Moneyball and what you said, it's all about here's a bunch of data, here's the situation, go have your stack guys write up code, you know, Python or R or whatever it is, um, have them write up advanced stats and, and use that to help kind of guide your game plan. Um, and especially when you consider if it's, if it's true, which I think it is that everyone's cheating, you know, you got millions of dollars and fans and, and the world series on the line of, you have to, you have to as well, or you're going to be left behind. So I think it's kind of tough to, to navigate this one here, but at the end of the day, you know, a couple of years out, people haven't forgotten about Houston. No. And you know, for whatever reason, Houston cheating has it's definitely something that resonated with fans and there was universal distaste for what Houston had done and and again I'm old enough to know that almost cheating in baseball almost it's a funny thing like cheating in baseball almost has a certain charm to it doesn't it Henry I mean you you know pitchers with foreign substances on their mitts Right. I mean, you know, it's always been kind of almost kind of a quirky, amusing thing, but something about what Houston did was too far and no one's rooting for Houston, are they? Unless you're from Texas. Okay. And so, you know, we looked at those, we looked at the graph, right? And we saw, and we talked a little bit about the Yankees, the Yankees uh, Cleveland series was drawn about twice as many viewers as some of the other baseball, uh, some of the other early round uh, playoff series. If we've got New York versus Philadelphia in the World Series, we might be looking at 20 million viewers per game. If we go to uh, San Diego, maybe that drops you know a big chunk out of it. The Philadelphia market's about 6 million people. San Diego market's about 2 million people. Nice weather cities tend to have less viewership. If Houston's playing, are baseball fans mad enough 
that they will in fact not even watch? Or are they going to watch to hopefully see Houston lose? You know, I definitely think, you know, people at the end of the day, it almost is the situation here that you kind of hinted at earlier where a player is going to transcend the organization. And so, uh, you know, people I feel like are almost rooting to see Bryce Harper square off against uh, Aaron judge. Um, And, you know, people want to see the Yankees, whether they hate them or love them more than the Astros. Um, Henry, I think Aaron judge might be worth like an incremental 10 million viewers. I think it's that. Yes, sir. I, I think, I think, I think you hit the nail right on the head. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, to answer your question, I think uh, a, a World Series with New York, I would imagine, would draw would, would draw a higher crowd for sure. Yeah. Okay. Let me um, let me switch to another exhibit, and this is from. If I can find it, always dangerous. Hold on. Okay, so I'm switching to something from the, the, the Emory Marketing Analytics Center's annual fandom survey. Annual, and we're on the second year of it. And yeah, there's a ton of information available on this survey on the, the website on fandomanalytics.com. But you know what I want to talk to you next, Henry, is sort of about where, where baseball's at in terms of the popular culture. So you know, going beyond the realm of sports – and how baseball fits into, well, I mean, at the end of the day, some people might argue, I would argue differently, actually, but some people might argue that sports are just another form of entertainment. There's lots of entertainment choices. I can watch a movie on Netflix. I can go to a club. I can, you know, I, I can go watch a baseball game on TV. If sports is, you know, just part of the culture, then, you know, where does baseball where does baseball exist in all this, right? And 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 that's a, that's I think that's a tough question to answer, right? Because you know the culture is everything. So I'm asking you, where does baseball fit into everything? And it's, it's almost too fuzzy of a of a question. But the exhibit I put up there is fandom in sport, and this is fandom by sport in 2022. And the graph has essentially two two bars for each of the major sports. The percentage of folks that are fans of the sport and the percentage of folks that are apathetics. Okay, and so here we're defining. This is a two thousand person survey, national nationwide survey. That if someone says I'm a you know on a scale of one to seven, if they say I'm a six or a seven, we list them as a fan of the sport. If they say they're a one or a two, we list them as an apathetic. Okay, so they either are a fan with all the passion and commitment that that entails. Or frankly, they don't even care. And the sports listed here are football, basketball, baseball, hockey, soccer, esports, summer Olympics, and winter Olympics. Okay, so rather than read off all these numbers, just first glance, anything on here looks surprising to you, Henry? Uh, not too too surprising. I, I will. You know, say it's worth noting that football is the only sport uh, that has a higher rating of fans than apathetics, um, which has got to be worth something. Just uh, so football, the fandom rate is 40 percent. The apathy rate is 28 percent. In contrast for baseball, 24 percent fandom versus 39 percent apathy. 
yeah, it, it means something. Um, I actually think it means a lot. I tend to think that that, you know, having more fans than apathetics actually explains why football is maybe the one. And I look, Henry was in my sports marketing class. Henry, I talk about this kind of stuff a lot because we teach in the spring semester. How many people watch the Super Bowl every year? Rough. A lot more than more than any other television show. Okay, so the Super Bowl drop. The Super Bowl has usually about a hundred million viewers. So football is the last sport that really commands that that mass media audience. So a hundred million people watching the Super Bowl versus twelve million people watching the World Series last year. Um, football is the is is football the only universal sport in America? I mean, I'd have to say that it is because football is easy to watch, even if you're not a fan, which is kind of the reason why I think we're seeing only 28% uh, apathy here, you know, especially the Super Bowl. It's kind of a, it's an event within itself. You have, you know, family, friends and next door neighbors coming over to the house, bringing, you know, food. And the Super Bowl is more than just a game. It's an entire event with a halftime show. Um, and I think that this kind of premise of entertainment is is true for all NFL games, regular season or Super Bowl. Um, sort of the reason why NFL is king here. That, that's I love that that term event, and I think that's what the NFL does best. Everyone knows when the Super Bowl is, right? They they let you know, and everyone almost everyone knows who the the halftime show is going to be. Does baseball do event well enough? Does it ever feel like an event anymore? No, I, I think I think it's a good point. No, I, I I think frankly not. It's like you look at even the playoffs, which is where where it's only you know right now four teams left. You're like, oh, when are the Yankees playing? They're playing at you know you have to look it up, and it's like seven thirty seven p.m. Or like you got the Padres West Coast game at three o'clock in the afternoon. So it's it's hard to kind of rally. Uh, you and your buddies around watching a game, um, especially when now, you know, the ALCS, NLCS and World Series are seven game series. So you've got seven games and, and that's hard to lock into, whereas the Super Bowl is one and done. Right. So people get excited about that. It's almost like a built in game seven factor just because it's one and done with the Super Bowl. And I think that plays a big part in it as well. Yeah. Do you think, um, you know, and we, we I was thinking we'd get to this at the end, but I'll, I'll ask this question now. Do you think baseball needs to be shorter? Fewer games in the regular season? Fewer games in the... I mean, baseball's just expanded the playoffs, but even shorter series within the playoffs? More... And, and Henry, remember, we're now in an era where there are folks literally complaining that the Dodgers have been robbed because the series was too, was too short, right? That there's too much randomness within a baseball game that maybe like there may be as much randomness in a football game or as basketball game but it doesn't feel like it right baseball feels like i don't know baseball feels like you got to play a lot of games i definitely think you do i think you know obviously the more something happens the more two teams play eventually the better team is going to win more and more and there'll be less flukes um so I don't think you could go shorter than, than a seven-game set, especially in the World Series where, where all the marvels are kind of on the line. Um, and the other thing, you know, when you look at football... Well, uh, have, let me say something to this, too. Just, man, even when, as you were saying that, the idea of changing it from seven games almost feels like that hurts my sports soul, right? The World Series is seven games. Right. 
It, it, it almost has to be. Can't be five. Can't be nine. It has to be seven. But can the world? But can the regular season? Can that go to? Could you play a hundred regular season games and everyone be happy? You know, I think you could, especially with the fact that they're adding in more wild card spots this year, so that teams who, you know, maybe if they had had a 162-game season would have been able to make a push at the end to win the division. If you shorten it to 100 games with, you know, maybe add one more wildcard team, would people be too upset? I don't know, maybe not. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, too, I think the thing with baseball is it's a game of longevity, and it's, it's, a, it's a war of attrition. <laughs> Whereas, you know, NFL, it, you got the same, you know, the same quarterback, every single time. Whereas in baseball, you've got, you know, 20 pitchers on the team, right? And, and part of the beauty of the game is balancing and strategizing your bullpen and your starting rotation. And, and, and that kind of hits its, its apex in, in the postseason with guys throwing on short rest and guys battling injury when it matters. So I think that's kind of another reason why you couldn't shorten it up just because of how pitching works. Okay. And, you know, and I like where your head's at because I do think you're you know, I'm glad I brought you in for this because I, I like having a guy that lives in baseball for this discussion because, you know, a lot of the proposals I think out there, they almost feel like they're separate from baseball, that they're not really, they're not coming from within the game. They're almost coming from, it almost feels like they're coming from the TV producers rather than from the people that are the purest in the sport. But last thing before we get this. So I've thrown up another chart here, and this is sports-specific fandom by generation. And so this is the fandom rate across Generation Z, Millennials, Generation X, Baby Boomers. So there's about a 500-person nationwide sample in each of these groups. And we've asked them, the essentially, are you fans of football, basketball, baseball, hockey, soccer, esports, Summer Olympics, and Winter Olympics? <clears throat> okay, and so it's it's an interesting looking chart um, in that there's there's a you know to to paint a picture you know for example in basketball Generation Z has the highest fandom rate at at uh, at thirty two percent then it sort of trends downward to millennials at just less than thirty uh, percent Generation um, X at let's say about twenty eight percent. And baby boomers at a very low number for the for basketball, essentially the NBA at about twenty one percent. Football, it, it reverses. Generation Z has the actually has the lowest fandom rate. So even though football might be the universal sport, Generation Z seems to be checking out of certain sports. Which again is is kind of a, a fascinating thing um, from some of the conversation we've had, Henry. You know, if football is an event and it's an event built around a TV and cable television on Sunday afternoons, kind of makes sense. The Generation Z that doesn't live in those worlds of, you know, being around a, a, you know, a giant screen TV on Sunday with the family makes sense. Baseball, our topic for today, the graph looks again, almost like one of these linear regressions, right? The baseball fandom rate for Generation Z is 21%, looks to be 24% for millennials, 26% for Generation X, and 27% for baby boomers. Okay, so that was a lot of words, Henry, a lot of numbers. Your Major League Baseball, your K 
concerned with youth baseball participation, just sort of the big picture in baseball. What do you think about those numbers for baseball fandom across the generations? I mean, you kind of explained it. It's, it's not looking good um, with with the youngest generations kind of coming in with, at the lowest mark here. Um, and it's interesting that it's invert. It kind of inverted with soccer and esports with with Gen Z kind of having the highest, and then it you and, know and basketball, right? I mean, it, it looks like baseball has the opposite pattern of basketball, soccer, and esports. Right, and so if you're Major League Baseball, you gotta you gotta really kind of gauge what's going on. Um, and I think at the end of the day, um, my friends who don't follow baseball as much and who aren't you know huge baseball fans, what kind of grabs their attention is flashy bat flips with home runs. You know, as <laughs> as you call it, pimping a home run. Um, uh, okay, stay there for a second. Fancy bat flips. There's a whole genre of. Uh, not, these are not, like these are like end zone dances at this point. I mean, there 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 are definitely some nuances to it, and, and definitely, you know, different uh, different kind of flares to bat flips. Um, but that's what's going to be on Sports Center, right? That's what everyone's going to see, right? That's kind of what drives excitement. I feel like with with the younger fans. And so, if you're baseball, you're like, how do we channel that? How do we again, speed up the game. And you see this with the rule changes that they're doing, right? They're trying to make the game revolve around more offense and more offenses, more bat flips, more, more flash, right? You've got, you know, Fernando Tatis and guys like, you know, uh, Trout and Harper being on the cover of, you know, the latest iterations of the uh, MLB, the show, the video game, uh, because these are the, the flashy guys that are the, the select few that grab the attention. So if you're major league baseball, I guess to answer your question, how do we kind of, grab gen z before it's too late it's it's somehow need to rally around these guys and the way that they play the game with some new flair okay so let's you know i I think there's two things so there's the issue for gen z and the next generation of fandom i think boils down to two kind of directions so one a communication strategy and second something related to the nature of the game okay so the communication strategy Henry, I'm going to say you're, it's almost like you're a little bit of an old soul, I suspect, because you mentioned that you're going to see the bat flip on Sports Center. I don't think your generation's watching Sports Center. I think your generation might be seeing those bat flips on Instagram or TikTok or some type of social platform. The video game side of it, yeah, dude, that's got to be huge. But But let me ask you this. Yeah, you're a baseball guy. You rather play Madden or are you going to play the baseball game? I'll tell you what, I don't play on the actual TV console too much, but on my phone I have one sports game that I play more in, and it is the Madden Mobile. So I, I guess that answers your question. And um, I guess just to um, clarify my last point, because you are, you are correct that it's not, you know, watching Sports Center on the TV, but, uh, you know, Instagram, TikTok, social media. Um, clips of the bat flip and a lot of times those are you know posted by sports centers instagram account and stuff like that yeah but but, you know but this is kind of interesting to me because it's almost like is there a chicken and an egg argument here right so people follow you know so baseball's communication strategy in some ways it's easy to say oh they got to get more active on social media they got to have more dramatic and fun highlights but you got to get people to there's got to be part of an acquisition strategy here too right I mean, you know, LeBron James already has the hundred plus million, 
you know, Instagram followers, right? So it, it's kind of it's kind of built in. What's going to get you know the baseball? You know, what's going to get Gen Z to actually you know follow their local team, and then you know, and then the team's got to do their share and come up with the the nice video clips and the the big home runs, et cetera, et cetera. You know, I think that's funny because I'm looking at, you know, the list of, of, you know, some of the most social, socially prevalent athletes that, uh, that you sent and, you know, it's Ronaldo, LeBron, Serena Williams, Simone Biles, right. But you don't see a single major league baseball player on there. Um, but I think again, it just comes back around to the question of, well, let me ask you, Henry, who's your favorite follow on major league base of a major league baseball player? say probably probably trout i just you know he, he's a good guy but uh, there's there's nothing you know i guess too exciting about the stuff he's putting out whereas with lebron um there is and it, and it even transcends basketball you know lebron's kind of got his his stamp you know as a pop culture icon and, and a political activist whereas you don't really have that guy in major league baseball right you've got you know mike trout you know i like following him on instagram but his account's very vanilla compared to these other these other athletes and Hollywood's not putting him in a movie anytime soon, are they? They're, they're not, he's not playing cartoon baseball, I suspect. Right. And he's not getting into an, an argument with um, uh, Joe Biden on Twitter. Right. I mean, it's a, but I think, look, I think that's a big part of the story. I mean, we, we can laugh about it and it is kind of funny, but they don't have those kind of cultural icons at the moment. Look, they don't even have a guy like Tom Brady who is all over you know, the, the sports media the, this morning on the 21st, because he's talking about how he's essentially with the marital problems and the disillusionment of his marriage, that he's never going to retire, right? They don't have that kind of media figure. Right. And, and I think a lot of that kind of has been influenced by the, the culture of society that we live in today. If you go back, you know, mm-hmm. 50, 60 years and so on back to the old, the olden days of baseball, you could say all those guys, Ted Williams, Yogi Berra, Bob Feller, Joe DiMaggio, Stan Musial, you, you know, Jackie Robinson, the list goes on and on. You've got 39 guys, if I counted correctly, um, in my research who are in the hall of fame and served in world war two. Right. So back in the day you had, these guys were, they were larger than life. Ted Williams was every young kid's, you know, hero. And now it's, it's switched to athletes having a different kind of presence. Um, in society's culture. And it's, and again, I think this is, and, and you and I, we're not going to solve this problem, but I think that's maybe fundamentally what baseball needs to do is have their players transcend baseball and become part of the culture. Part of me wonders if it wasn't almost a strategy from baseball, you know, post Barry Bonds and the, you know, the, the PED era to actually get away from anything controversial. But you know, as social media kind of exploded, look, it's a funny thing in, in this in this era, and I don't know if you've ever done it. Look at the social media followings of your favorite teams and then of your favorite athletes. Very often, it's almost a like a 10 to 1 ratio or a 5 to 1 ratio in terms of how much more popular the athletes are than the clubs they, they play on. And I don't, you know, again, I'd like to know, is there is there a controversial bad boy is there a conor mcgregor joe burrow you know 
Damon Green, you know, is there that kind of guy in baseball that, you know, just kind of gets people going, gets people talking? You know, I would say, you know, you said uh, McGregor, Joe Burrow, and we already kind of touched on this earlier, but I, when I hear you say that, I think there's definitely, there might not be a McGregor, but there's definitely a Bill Lambeer. Um, <laughs> Who's and, the Lambeer of baseball? I love that. And, and, and again, it's for different reasons than, than just being a bully with, with pure physicality on the hardwood. But, I, you know, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe people would disagree. But I think that a couple of the... Of the How do you even know who Bill Lambeer is? What's up? How do you even know who Bill Lambeer is at your age? The uh, the 30 for 30, the bad boys 30 for 30. <laughs> yeah, and actually that's a good point. It's like even the even the last dance, Lambeer probably had some choice moments in it. There you go. Yeah. Um, but some of the, the core stars on the Astros just kind of have that like that, you know, just that certain kind of vibe to them that I feel like he had in some of these 30 for 30s I've seen. Yeah, and, and maybe that's part of the question. Just, is baseball going to embrace that, right? Is baseball going to put that out there or are they going to kind of, are they going to kind of hide it? Okay, Henry, last thing, and again, sort of coming full circle, the purity of the game. I, I've never been a tremendous baseball fan. As I grow older, I appreciate the game more. I think the game is, you know, I think it's the prettiest game. I think it's the most beautiful game. I think it's at a pace that is fa- actually fairly unique. Um, I think there's some, I think it's probably the most family oriented game. So baseball, I think has some elements that make it unique among American sports. It's, it's not in an indoor arena. It, it has a specialness. A lot of what's being proposed, and you, you went through some of it, pitch clocks, outlawing the shift. I don't know what else they're they're talking about. You want to make a prediction on how that stuff, how effective that's going to be? Is there going to be blowback from changing the game? Are they going to wreck things? What do you think? You know, I've kind of started coming around to it a little bit. You know, I, I obviously was very kind of against it at, at first. I guess you could say I'm kind of a purist with the game, but if it's going to make the game more exciting and, and more flashy at the end of the day, that's why everyone loves baseball, right? At the end of the day, there's a lot of, there's a lot of nuances and strategies that, that may change because of these rule shifts. Um, but if you're, if you're basing your answer to this question off of growing the game and, and, and kind of making it revolve around that flashy player, that big bat flip, that big home run, then I think these rule changes are going to be good. And people who, maybe don't watch baseball as much will probably come around to it slightly more than they would have. Okay. So there is, you guys have heard it here. There is hope. Baseball can modernize, get a little bit more media savvy. Uh, The bat flip becomes the, I don't know, the bat flip is the equivalent to the slam dunk perhaps. Uh, Yep. And the the one handed, the, what the, you know, the NFL and their one handed um, touchdown catches at this point. Like I said, I mean, to me, it's an absolutely fascinating sport, you know, where, where, where it, you know, is the American, it is the American sport, right? I mean, we've done some research and preparation. We didn't talk a lot about it. But if you think about the American sports for the last hundred years, this is a baseball country, right, Henry? I mean, I don't even think there's any doubt about that. It's, you know, you talk about, you know, Babe Ruth, 
Mickey Mantle, right? I mean, historically, that's what we were. I mean, not only, you know, to the point I made earlier about all these these guys in the Hall of Fame, you know, leaving the game to serve their country. But when you think about super American moments in sports, the, the first, you know, five that come to my mind automatically are all baseball. And maybe I'm just biased, but you think about George Bush throwing out the first pitch at Yankee Stadium after 9-11. You think about Sammy Sosa running around the bases after hitting a home run with a little American flag. You think about Rick Monday saving the flag from the hippies that were trying to burn it on fire. It's, you know, the, the list goes on and on. And so I think you're definitely on to a, you know, a point of when people talk about America, it's baseball, apple pie, and Chevrolet, right? Yeah. And, and so it's, this will be a really kind of interesting thing to watch is, you know, how will baseball and baseball fandom evolve going forward, right? From being essentially the, almost this kind of core element of American culture to something that is, now sort of fighting it out with basketball for the number two position. It's, you know, we're, we're in a world where technology changes really, has changed really rapid, has changed rapidly. We've got demographic changes that, you know, also alter baseball's prospects. It's, it's a beautiful game and it'll be really kind of fun to watch how this all plays out over the next couple of years. Okay. With that, I want to thank you a ton for coming on and doing this, Henry. Absolutely appreciate it. Um, you got any last words? You know, it was great being on. Thank you for having me. And, uh, you know, it was a lot of fun. So, uh, hopefully the fans enjoyed it as much as I did. Okay. Go Eagles.